Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Well, it's almost that time, and it will be in a couple of weeks. Um, didn't you hate to hear those words, especially on test day? We're coming in the boxes, and all right, boys and girls, let's get a sharpened number two pencil. <sighs> kind of makes you shiver. Uh, if, you, if you're uh, a test junkie or intimidated by tests, that's, that's kind of the message here that, <clears throat> that John gets on the Isle of Patmos. It's, uh, you got a pen in your hand, John? There's something you need to write down. Record this. Make sure you get this down. Look at this text with me, if you will. In, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 to 20. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face, like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen both now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, John is exiled here to, to the Isle of Patmos, and the first thing that the Lord Jesus tells him to do is pick up a pen. Pick up a pen. That's, that's his first uh, thing in his hand was a pen. Verses 10 and 11 speak to that again. It says, On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, heard behind me a loud voice which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. In John's hand was a pen. Right on the scroll, what you see. Have you ever wondered why Narnia is a place you want to visit, you want to see, perhaps you even want to live there, or why you can be transported from your car or your living room to Evan Stadium, and, and you... <clears throat> it's a cool, crisp fall afternoon. You can smell the fresh-cut grass. You can smell the hot dogs and the popcorn cooking. You can see the pride of the Southland in your mind's eye forming the tea in the north end zone. You see those things. You're taken to Narnia. You're taken to Nayland Stadium because C.S. Lewis and John Ward use words to paint a picture. 
And the picture you can see as clearly as you're standing there or sitting there, wherever you are. That's in part what, what I think the Lord was telling John to do is to take a pen and capture the things you see. Write down the things you see. Record them. Others are going to need to read these things. Uh, it's, it's, it's this record, I think, that, that is so important today that, of why we need to pick up a pen and record it. Can, can you imagine how God could use your story on your faith journey in the lives of your family and friends if we'd only write it down or make even an audio or video recording of it uh, in some form? Martin Luther said once that if you want to change the world, pick up a pen and write. That's true. In a world that consumes massive amounts of meaningless drivel every day by, by means of social media, entertainment media, it's even more important to make a record of things that matter, things that are, are cherished, that you cherish, that are of value to you, the things that will outlive all of us. So that's why we see the first thing in John's hand was a pen. The second thing was this. In John's hand was a pen with a purpose. Look at verse 11 again. He says, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. Send it to the seven churches. Now what John picks up a pen here to record isn't meaningless meanderings of any kind. What he's about to write down has eternal significance. Notice also here that uh, you have to be in the right frame of mind to do this. Verse 10 says, he was in the Spirit, meaning he was led by the Spirit. Uh, I love Paul's way of putting this. He says, I was carried along by the Spirit, meaning I was picked up, taken from, transported from, from where I was in the situation I was in and put in another situation totally. may not have changed location. I just changed the situation. Have there ever been those times in your life where you were in the Spirit, meaning the Spirit took control and you, you, you sensed and felt that you were in a holy moment, in a moment that um, to someone outside the faith is indescribable. But there you were, Spirit's presence, <clears throat> excuse me, the Spirit's presence on you and you sensed it and knew it, even though you probably couldn't verbalize it or sometimes explain it. You sensed his presence and knew his presence, perhaps in a, in, a, in a church service of some kind, at a conference or youth retreat or in a revival service or heck, driving down the car or down the road in the car and the Spirit just overtaking you with a song or with a thought or a message about who he is. That's exactly what, where John found himself, meaning that I was outside of John and into, into what the Lord was saying. I moved beyond the flesh, moved beyond my ideas and what I, what I, how I perceive things into how the Lord wanted me to perceive them for himself. John's purpose here was to get the pen and write directly, directly to the churches, but his indirect purpose was for you and I today as, as the readers to see this. So whether you actually use a pen or a keyboard or, or whatever your tool is, the generations coming behind you need to know what's of value both to you and hopefully to them. They, they, they should see, be able to see beyond your, your own record and your own ideas. What's important about your faith and, and family in terms of your, your past, your present, and your future? Picture, pictures can tell us part of that story, but they don't hold, tell the whole story. We need to bring verbiage. We need to bring words to those pictures to say, here's why this is important and why it should be important to you as well. Uh, look, look at this incredible account that what we have that follows in the book of Re Revelation, if you read the rest of the book. I mean, it's... <laughs> John picks up a pen here, and, and from the, from the get-go, it's... 
Put yourself in his shoes. Imagine trying to write down the things that he's seeing and experiencing here the first time, and as well in the Gospel of John, as he wrote there as well. And this is someone who's not even a writer, but a fisherman, who picks up a pen and says, I, I can... I have no ability to write, but I can, I can record what I see and what I hear and what the Lord speaks to me and tells me to do. In John's hand was a pen with a purpose. Thirdly, in John's hand was, was a pen with a purpose to reveal the glorified Christ. Look at verses 12, 16. I turned around to see the voice speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Watch this. Dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. Look, look at this incredible detail with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was like white, white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and coming out of, out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Look at this detail in John's description. The robe, the sash, the hair, the eyes, the feet, the voice, the mouth, the face. And he describes him as like the Son of Man, meaning it was the same person that I saw in the Gospel of John, but this is a drastically different form of, of himself. It doesn't look like the same Son of Man John writes about in John 3, 14. He says the Son of Man is, is about to be lifted up. That was Jesus, the Son of Mary, but he's not describing Jesus the Son of Mary here. He's describing Jesus the Son of God in his glorified state, in his holy state, in, in a state that John had never seen before, never witnessed anything like it before. Same person, only John is seeing this glorified, perfected, holy state. And then, after getting up off the ground, we talk about, we'll talk about that more in just, a, in just a minute. After getting up on the ground, can you imagine how fast he had to pick up his pen and say, I've got to get this down. I've got to get this down. Put yourself in his shoes. Doesn't miss a single detail. Uh, it gives us a detailed description of what he's, what he's seeing and experiencing. This is, is the beginning of, of an incredible revelation to John, to the churches, and to the reader, to us standing here today. It's important that we see Jesus the same way John saw him. Otherwise, we would probably question, does that, John 3.14, does that son of man have the power to do all that the book of Revelation is describing? The answer is maybe no, looking at, at that son of man, but looking at this son of man, John has no doubt this is the guy that has the authority, and he needs to, we, we need to see him in that same way. Otherwise, we may wonder whether he has the power to, to take forth the, the rest of the book of Revelation and make it come to pass. Fourthly, in John's hand was a pen with a purpose to reveal the glorified Christ, but also to worship the glorified Christ. Look at 17 and 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and of Hades. When I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. Whether, whether John was on his knees or whether he had his face on the ground, we don't know. But we do know that he was in the presence of holiness he knew that. He was in the presence of perfection and power, and he had to humble himself in that kind of presence. We talked about last week Saul's experience on the road to Damascus and how that bright light and the voice from heaven humbled him, took him to his knees. Same story here with John. Uh, God humbles him and takes him to his knees in worship. 
Friend, when we get a clear view of all that God is, all that we are is never enough. All we have is never enough. When we get a clear view of all that he is, our best, on our best day, is never enough. It's garbage compared to all that he is. And John realizes that and sees that and, and lays himself out on the ground in worship. Uh, it's th this idea of worship, should, we should find ourselves like John found himself in total submission, in total obedience before the Lord. Uh, it, he was, I think he was, in my view, flat out on the ground. And could he have gotten lower than that? He would have gotten lower than that. That's as low as he could get in that situation. I've had people over the years just ask me the question, what, what is, what's worship really about? And what's, what, what do you as a worship leader or as a worship pastor, as a teaching pastor, what's the best way to define that? And my response has been total obedience, whatever that looks like. Total submission, whatever that looks like. If, it, if, if you look out from this platform and see people on their face before the Lord in obedience, you may see someone over here singing as loud as they can off key and could, could care less of who hears them. You may see another one off that, on, on this side that's speechless, can't, can't get a word out. Uh, whatever obedience looks like for you, that's, that's what worship should be for us when we find ourselves in a totally submissive state before him and in his presence. At its best, true worship looks like that. It looks like total submission to a holy God. I wonder if that's what your worship looks like. I wonder if it's more about music and less about the presence of God. I wonder if it's, if it, if it's more about fellowship and less about God's anointing your heart in this place, in this room at this time. It's, uh, it needs to be a picture of obedience for us. Yes, he's this suffering servant on the cross, but that's not how it ended for him. He went to a tomb, came out of the tomb three days later, ascended to heaven, and is going to return looking like this guy that John's writing about, this, this same Jesus. Well, in John's hand was a pen with a purpose to reveal the glorified Christ, to worship the glorified Christ, and finally, to be a witness of record. Look at verse 19. Write, therefore, what you have seen both now and what will take place later, present and future. Sometimes you'll come up to a car wreck or uh, see a crime occur and police will ask questions. And Did you see anything? Yeah, I saw it all, but I don't want to get involved. Yes, I was here. I, I saw what happened. I saw the wreck, but I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather just stay over here and not get involved. Um, it's often said that in law enforcement circles and political circles that it didn't happen until somebody writes it down that it happened. That's, that's, that's how John sees this and, and is compelled to record the very things that Jesus tells him to do, to pick up a pen and write it down. Because when someone writes it down, it's, it, there's a record there. But what I recall can change over time. What I've written down won't. It's, it's a solid record or what I've recorded won't. You may be a Secondhand, a second-hand witness to what God's done and is doing in the life of others around you, but you're the first-hand witness to what he's doing in your life. You can tell that story with some authority. John's, not, John's a first-hand witness here to what's going on. He's seeing this and writing it down. So is there a record? And what, does it, what does that record say? Uh, what's, what's that in your hand? And what are you doing with what's in your hand? Is God using it for his glory?
Three weeks ago, we talked about what was in David's hand was a sling and a stone. And God used that for his own glory and to conquer the enemy. And two weeks ago, we talked about what was in Moses' hand was a staff, a stick, a work tool for Moses. And God used that to glorify himself and to conquer the enemy. Then last week, we looked at what is in Saul's hand, and it was arrest warrants. And God used those to glorify himself and to change Saul's trajectory in life, his, his meaning and sense of purpose and direction. I wonder what's like that, what's been in your life that has not been used for good or perhaps has been used even for bad, for evil, and how God can take those same things and, and bring glory to himself through them, through your life and through your story. He can get glory from those things. Here, John's got a pen in his hand. And God's going to use the pen in a powerful way to not only tell us this story of what's going on, but the story of what is and what is to come. Powerful story that God uses the pen in John's hand, John's hand to paint, paint that kind of picture. So as we wrap this story today and this message, I wonder what's in your story, what's in your hand that God can use to change someone's tomorrow and every tomorrow after that for them. You see... There are those in your world that <clears throat> only you have influence over that I don't, and the person sitting beside you may not. It's got, God's placed you in, the, in those relationships and in those circumstances and in those moments with those people in, in that life to bear influence, to tell a story. And as I said earlier, your, your, your secondhand story of what God's doing in someone else's life is valuable, but what he's doing in your life, you can attest to with great authority. Tell that story. Pick up whatever that he's placed in your hands. That, that story can be told, whether it's whether you're putting pen to paper or whether you're putting, uh, putting something together in an email or a text message or a recorded audio or video. Tell that story and share it. The generations behind you are depending on what you know and what you've experienced and how that's changed your life. Uh, <clears throat> my grandmother and my mother was faithful to do that, to record and write things down about how they saw the Lord at work around them, in them, through them. And it trickled down to us to say, God can do that in you too. It's not just me. It's not just the pastor. It's not just, a, not just a, a, someone who's intimately walking with Jesus in every moment. But it's through failure and loss and pain and hurt and the kind of lessons that only life can teach. Those are the kind of stories that those in your world need to hear and I encourage you to pick up a pen or pick up a keyboard and record those things. Write those things down because somebody down the road is going to benefit from them because somebody down the road is going to be in the same hard place. They're going to be in the same part of the story that you're in today and can glean wisdom from your walk and your witness. Let's pray. Father, today as you remind us of the things that are in our hand, whether it's a slingshot, a staff, a an arrest warrant or a pen. You intend to use it for your glory and for our good. We acknowledge today that we're, we don't have a lot to bring to the table in terms of our best because our best compared to who you are when we see all that you are, we just don't measure up. In fact, we're not even close. It, it, is, it is in those moments that we find ourselves or should whether we're in a corporate setting like this or at our house or in a, 
on our front porch or driving our car, that we should find ourselves in submission to a holy God. When we get a glimpse of the Son of Man, like John got a glimpse of the Son of Man, it should draw us to a humble place. It should take us to our knees, to our faces, to find ourselves in total humility and total obedience before God. Would, would today you prompt our hearts to, to see all that you are, all that you want us to see, and such that we not only are obedient to you today, but we trust you for every tomorrow to come. But more importantly, to tell the story of what you're doing in us today to those around us so they can see not us, but you. Not our own lessons, but yours. Not the things you're teaching us, but the things you, you want to teach them as well. Your word has the power to do those things if we'll get our nose in it. It has the, it has the, the wherewithal to change what we see and believe and know to be true if we'll see ourselves immersed in it, walking in the truth of it, living it day by day, sharing it with those around us. That's what you've called us to do. All we have to figure out is what's in our hand to get us there because you want to use it all. And do that today in us and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.